You're listening to The Gateway Church. For more information, please go online to thegatewaychurch.com. Good morning. When Kyle asked if I would be willing to preach, uh, I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, sweet, you're going to preach on all that stuff. I was like, well, maybe not. Uh, and I've been, I've been really leaning into this passage for a while now, and it's, it's doing all of these weird things inside of me. I hope this morning uh, to be able to articulate just a little bit about what God is, has, is forming in me through these passages, and then also um, that it would start to worm its way into your heart, and it would start to worm its way into your brain, and it would affect you in some uh, beautiful way. Jim mentioned that I, I, I am a little bit uh, self-deprecating. That is true. Uh, but also, uh, part of the reason that I, I, I said you shouldn't look forward to this morning is because this morning is going to function a little bit like a gut punch. And uh, I'm just, this is my plea uh, that you would stick with me through it. It's, it's going to be a little bit um, invasive and it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable and that's kind of the way the Bible is. Um, having said all that, uh, let's party this morning. Let's talk about religion and politics. Woo! And uh, let's, let's get right into it. But before we do, um, let's pray. Father God, Come to us. Bring us rest. Bring us truth. Bring us into your kingdom, your grace. And Lord, have mercy. Even bring us into your judgment. Open our hearts and minds to hear your word and be transformed. Cleanse us. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. All right, so this morning we're in Matthew 3. But we're also going to be in a couple of other passages as well. See, Matthew uh, is pretty intentional when creating his gospel, when writing his gospel. In fact, a lot of people um, will refer to the Gospel of Matthew as the Gospel to the Jews because of Matthew's focus. And Matthew's focus is, is very particular. He focuses on the word of the God, the words of God as expressed by the Old Testament prophets coming to bear and being fulfilled in the life and the person of Jesus Christ. This is his narrative uh, structure. This is how he is telling the story. And a lot of his language, although missed by us, would have been right at the front of the mind of the people that were reading it when it was written. And so 
Matthew 3 really draws on two major Old Testament prophecies. It draws on Isaiah 40 and Malachi 3, or at least those are the two that are the strongest represented. So we're going to spend some time this morning in each of those places. Uh, We're going to go sort of quickly, and I'm not going to go through everything and all of it, because uh, when I tried to, like, put everything that was in my brain onto paper, it was, like, 47 pages or something like that, and no one wants that. Especially not me, who's a little nervous. In the passage that we just heard read read to us, There's a lot going on. And uh, we're going to start to muddle our way through it. So if you you have a Bible or if it's on your phone, feel free to uh, touch, tap, turn. Uh, Find Matthew 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Make his paths straight. This is, uh, you know, as indicated on the text itself, it's, it's a callback to Isaiah. Specifically, Isaiah 40. So if you want to touch or tap or figure out how to get to Isaiah 40, um, we're just going to read uh, the first part of it here, 1 through 5, because I think that gives us a good, a good feeling here. Isaiah 41 through 5. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. Her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness. This is, you know, talking about John the Baptist and the passage that we're getting to here. A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Hear it again. Comfort, comfort my people. Your warfare has ended. Your iniquity is pardoned. The way is prepared and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. The entire world changed and all of us get to see it. We see the hope. We see glory. And moving on a little bit, we get to see Jesus. 
Imagine, if you will, um, being inside of an empire 2,000 years ago. And the king of the empire would like to visit either a land that they just conquered or someplace far away in the kingdom. What happens? Well, first, the amount of people that would be in the processional that would be moving along this way would be intense. Hundreds, thousands of people, cooks, everybody, everybody's coming along. The honor guard. And generally, the infrastructure wasn't in place for folks to be able to make these kinds of journeys with this amount of people. And so what the king would do is he would send a herald ahead of him. He would send somebody along the path that they were traveling to go to every village, every community, every small place. And they would say something like this. Behold, the king is coming. Prepare the way. And see, if you're in the kingdom, this would be either really, really, really good news because, you know, the king is on this triumphant journey to go visit this conquered place and you're excited because there's more people and more, all, all of this kind of stuff. Or it would be terrifying because the king is on a trip to go give somebody the business. But either way, you're spurred into action. And as a member of this kingdom, the, the first thing that you would start to do is start to build the road. Now imagine this kingdom also has some geography. It's got some mountains, it's got some valleys, probably some rivers. This just ramps up the difficulty to prepare this road. So from the time that the herald goes out from, to the time that the king actually gets to travel, you're talking an immense amount of time and labor. See, in Isaiah we hear the valleys will be built up, the mountains lowered, the path straight. The king is coming. And as we're in this Advent season where we're celebrating, but also weighing this tension of the coming. And I don't know if you're like me or if you're just a better person, but this, this coming presents a real intense tension. On one sense, there's nothing in me that desires it more. And on the other sense, it's a little bit of holy terror because the God of the cosmos is going to show up. See, when John the Baptist shows up 
in the desert. And he's saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The people would have been thinking. They would have had this king coming imagery going on. They would have had all of Isaiah 40 going on. And I, and I hear the Isaiah 40. I hear the comfort, comfort my people. War is over. Iniquity is ended. But then they're running out into the desert. In repentance. And being baptized by John into this new kingdom. Because it's not only comfort. There's a judgment too, and it's something that we're really, really uncomfortable with, and it's something that really drives a lot of tension through the center of us. Even the word itself creates a trepidation and almost like an acrid taste on the tongue. Seriously, say judgment like to yourself and like feel it. And here we have the last Old Testament prophet in the New Testament standing in the middle of the desert telling people that this is coming. I mean, the dude's dressed in camel hair. Like, that's weird. Also, can you imagine like the crunch of a locust if you were eating it? And wild honey is not even sweet. Like, I just imagine this gnarly old dude, although he wasn't that old. He was, you know, he's only a little bit older than Jesus, like six months. But he's like standing out in the wilderness and he's like crunching these locusts in this weird hair garment and like yelling at people. This is odd. Like, I imagine like there's like bits of honey in his beard because like I eat and I have a beard and like there's always stuff in the beard. Like, I can just like, you know, like a locust wing or leg and maybe some honey and he's out here yelling at people and telling them to repent and that God is coming or at least the Messiah is coming and the natural preparation for people the natural response to the coming of God is to repent now, when I say repent, like, that's got, like, all sorts of connotations going on and, and all that kind of stuff. And I want you to know that, like, repent just means, like, turn around. Like, the way that they were living, they're turning away from and they're joining this new way of living. In fact, when we say a king is coming, the implicit reality it means that the current king is on his way out. They're moving from serving Caesar to serving Jesus because when we say Jesus is Lord, we're saying Caesar isn't. And there's this really great quote, and I'm going to get like way more into this in a little bit, but uh, 
that I re- that I read this week that I thought was fantastic. It said, "When I uh, passed out of, when I pledged my allegiance to Jesus in the waters of baptism, I had no allegiance left for some Johnny Come Lately empire." And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tease this a little bit right now, like. Where, where is your allegiance? Because in the, in the text today, like, there's not really room for anything outside of Christ. See, listen to the first few voices, or first few verses of Malachi 3. This is the other text that Matthew's gospel is drawing on. And it goes like this. It says, behold, I send my messenger. This is John. And he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. Hear this. But who can abide the day of his coming? Who can stand when the God, the creator of the entire cosmos, shows up? See, every time angels show up, people are terrified. Every time the presence of God speaks, people cower. There is a terror in the power of the creator of all things. But remember Isaiah 40, right? Comfort, comfort. Your iniquity is pardoned. Your warfare is over. God is coming, prepare the way. And oh, Malachi 3, who can abide that day? See, this is the message that John is giving in the wilderness and people are coming out. And there's a ton of hope and there's also this trepidation which leads to repentance. Even so much so that the elite of the day start showing out, right? Like, if you don't know who Pharisees and Sadducees are, just, like, imagine um, either televangelists, like, church leadership kind of parodies, or you can also probably accurately picture them as Republicans and Democrats. Remember I said we were going to talk about politics and religion, and we're here. See, these are the people that have the power. These are the people that are leading the others. These are the people that are interpreting scripture. They're working every day to have these arguments about how it is to follow the law. What actually is the law? What does it all mean? What does, how do we function in society? These are the people that everybody else looked up to as having answers. 
These are the people that everybody thought had it figured out, that were the models of how to be the people of God. And here you have John yelling at them. You brood of vipers. Think sons of It's not, it's, it's to catch their attention, right? It's also a full-on kick to the shins. And there's this part of me that gets super excited about this part. Like, yes, finally, the authorities, the, the people that are up in power get theirs. And then I realize I'm one of those people. And it's for me, I'm, I'm part of the brood of vipers. Because who can abide the day of the Lord? And see, it goes on to say here, and we're in Matthew, Matthew 3, 7 through 12. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from wrath to come. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. And this is, this is really like the crux of it, right? I do the right things. Like, we give money to stuff. I, like, do my best to love my children well. Do my best to love my wife well. Most days. Sorry. I, I like, read and I study and, like, I care about this stuff. Isn't that, like, enough? How do, how, do, how do you define yourself? If I were to ask you right now, like, who are you? What's the first three words out of your mouth? If you're anything like me, it would probably be something like, I'm a dad, I'm a husband. like basketball or maybe you're somebody that like is really intense and if so like I know a good therapist and like see me afterwards and I'll refer you but like you define like in your first three words there's like democrat republican name your ism there's some way in which we define ourselves as how we move in the world Maybe it's I'm a philanthropist. Maybe it's I'm civically minded. Maybe it's that I just, I, I really, really want to help people that have less than me. These things are all great. There's nothing inherently wrong with any of these things. Maybe Republican, Democrat, but we can talk about that later. 
But it's not enough for you to say that you're a child of Abraham. It's not enough for you to say that, like, I do the right things. Like, God can do those things without you. Did you know that? Like, God doesn't need you to accomplish what he wants to do. There's a freedom in that. But see, it's not, it's not how we define ourselves. It's not us being the people of God that saves us. And this critique isn't leveled at thieves. It's not leveled at murderers. It's not leveled at people that are outdoing evil acts. This is to the people who are representative of what it means to be followers of Jesus or what it means to be followers of the people of God. These are the people that spent every day arguing and articulating about what it meant to follow God. And here is John's voice in the wilderness saying, repent. You've got it all wrong. Stick with me here. The end of all of this, there's still comfort. Comfort. Isaiah 40 and Malachi 3. Comfort, comfort my people. Your warfare has ended. Your iniquity is pardoned. You're in this new kingdom, and yet who can abide the day of its coming? Listen to the words of John, the voice crying in the wilderness. He who is coming after me is mightier than I. His sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, I've always uh, heard that word at, or heard those words as um, either you're in or you're out. And if that's the way that you're hearing it this morning, unthink it. Because listen to what he is saying. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He'll clear the threshing floor, gather his wheat. But the leftover stuff, he's going to burn. See, this isn't about separating people. It's about separating you. It's about the work that God wants to do in you. I will baptize you. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit 
and with fire. What does that mean? Jump back to Malachi 3. Who can abide the day of his coming? Verse 2. For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as they were formerly. Refiner's fire. See, are, are you ready for this? Because in order to get to the, this comfort and this peace, as we just lit the peace candle today in a very active way, in order to get to that comfort and peace, the refiner's fire is coming. And it's going to take from you things that may be very dear. It may be core to your identity. But everything that is burned out of you is done, is burned out of you for the refining of turning you into something amazing, something beautiful, something created by a loving God who's suddenly going to return to his temple and refine you. This is the tension of Advent. This is the tension that we find ourselves in every single day. This is what drove people to run out into the wilderness, into the desert, to be dunked in dirty water in the Jordan River. Like you're here this morning, you're at church, great. What is God refining in you? What are you losing? Because the call is the same for them and us. Repent. The kingdom of God is here. Which means comfort, comfort, war is over, all of this amazing stuff, and the refining fire of God. And the only way to deal with it is to fall on one's knees in front of the creator of the universe and say, I'm all yours.
and by the way, like that's uh, that's something that we 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 think that we've done, right? Like it's something that we, uh, like I said this prayer one time, or maybe even like at like a conference or a camp or something like that. Like I even walked up to the altar and I, like I I, I said I was sorry because like I wasn't living like I said I was going to, and like I'm gonna rededicate. No, nah, this is this is uh this is not that. This is every day. Every day are you going to submit to the refining fire of the living God? And that's a really hard question. And I like to think that, like, most days, the answer is yes. But just last week, I can at least name a couple days that were no. Leave me alone, God. It hurts. I need a break. But, guys, the refiner's fire is here in the spirit. And we're about to celebrate that amazing gift. And I want you I want you to lean into it. I want you to lean into it really 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 hard. See, that gift, that refining fire, that comfort, the freedom from war, the freedom from violence, the freedom from our own sin. It comes to us in these elements. This is what we remember. This is why we make the journey to walk down the aisles to remember the body and the blood of Jesus the Messiah. This has been another episode of the Gateway Church Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.